Welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 134 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltak, and thanks for joining me again. Uh, hopefully you're all rested from the holidays. Um, you know, my intention was to not deal with politics at all over the uh, over the break. I don't know how successful I was, but I did get some rest. Hopefully you did the same. Uh, so we've got, I was actually chatting with Tracy before our talk that you're going to see in a, in a few minutes, and I thought, I think we both thought that we would be scrounging for things to talk about after the holidays, after the break, you know, three week stretch, right? And we couldn't be more wrong. So we actually have a lot of really uh, important things to talk uh, with you about uh, today. Also, I've got an interview that I did for our television show, CCFR Radio on the Air, with um, the Minister for Natural Resources and Energy Development of New Brunswick, Mike Holland, great guy, avid hunter, also the co-founder of the uh, Wild Turkey Federation, uh, as well. So um, I'm going to have an interview with him that we did for TV. I'm going to play that for you in a few minutes. But anyway, before we get started, I'd like to talk about some of the companies that help the CCFR keep going and do the things that uh, that we do and also the CCFR radio podcast. A big thank you to our friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR. So make sure you check them out at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. And if you're in the market for firearms, ammunition, cold weather gear, maybe even airsoft, you name it, you will find it all through our friends at North Pro Sports. So make sure you check them out at northprosports.com. That's northprosports.com. And of course, Vortex, the force of optics. We'd like to thank our friends over at Vortex Canada for continuing to support the podcast and providing great products. You can check all that out at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. And to our friends over at CTOMS. CTOMS Academy provides life-saving training in trauma care and human performance. Perfect for outdoor enthusiasts, for hunters, for shooters. You can check them out at ctomsinc.com. That's ctomsinc.com. All right, we're back. So I've got two things I need to go over with you before I play the um, interview that I did with Mike Holland and then before we bring Tracy Wilson on. And uh, the first thing is our Scrap C21 project. I mentioned that before the holidays uh, that we would release all the details on that project or whatever, 95% of them um, on January the 26th. So that's here on YouTube, Rumble and Facebook. And then for our television audience, the television show lags the podcast by one week so they'll all our television uh viewers will watch uh we'll see that in the first week of february depending on when they catch the show it's on i think four times a week or something for two weeks the the same episode so anyway that's all going really well uh the the staff of the ccfr are all working really hard i'm working hard to uh to get all this done on time uh most of it will be done on time the time sensitive things will be um, and we even have some 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 subcontractors working to help us get it done. So I'm really looking forward to telling you what exactly it is that we're doing. And I know that uh, um, that will probably be a bit of a, a boring episode for some of you because, uh, as you know, I always want to tell you exactly what it is we're doing and why we're doing it because I feel that that's my obligation in return for all of you 
putting your trust in us that we are working hard on your behalf and that we're doing every single thing that is humanly possible to fight the government of a G7 nation that wants to take your guns away. Okay, huge task. We only have so much that we can do in our current role, right, which is the role of spoiler, making it stressful and difficult and consequential for them to take every single step towards confiscation or whatever, make it, just making it arduous, right? That's, that's our role because we can't stop a sitting government, but we can sure make it difficult for them every step of the way. So that's the role we're playing now. I'm hoping that Canadians are waking up to this horrific, absolutely disastrous government, and then we can switch to the other role that we will play, which is to support the government and support all of their efforts in public safety uh, to, if, if nothing else, to benefit ourselves as gun owners by showing all of all of the Canadians out there that don't own guns, like, hey, look at how public safety is improving, even though we're getting our guns back, right? So now you know the whole time it was all about politics and power, okay? It wasn't about public safety. So we'll, we'll be playing an active role in that when that time comes. Hopefully it comes soon. So anyway... Um, but yeah, explaining to you guys exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it is al always really, really important uh, to me because I don't want anyone supporting us based on faith. I want you to support us based on the work that you see us doing and the value that that work has depending on you know where we are in the political cycle, right? So anyway, we'll be uh, releasing all that information in the next episode. The next thing I want to show you is in the TV show, I, I, I just finished filming the, the, the next show, right? Which will air in a week on Wild TV. And I played this clip, and this clip is, is just interesting, so I want to share it with you. Now, you've seen this interview before, pieces of this interview before. This is Marco Mendicino on Power and Politics with, I don't know, the host is sitting in for, um, for uh, Vashi Capellos, I think her name is. But, uh, but anyway, this, uh, this host is actually doing his job. He's pressing Marco Mendicino a little bit, and it seems like he knows a little bit about the topic. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to play it, and we'll talk about it after. Check it out. So let's go with this one, the SKS, that, that, that Evan was talking about off the top of the show. Very popular hunting rifle, well used throughout the country. Yes, it was a military weapon in 1945. I mean, that's 70 years ago. So that's not in the same category or capacity as an AR-15 would be today. Under this as written, a lot of hunting advocates say the SKS is going to be banned by this. I mean, what do you say to those concerns about that particular popular primarily hunting rifle? Well, you said it yourself. This was a gun that was designed for a battlefield. It was designed to uh, ensure that the greatest amount of lethal force could be exercised in the shortest period of time. Any gun can be used in a crime, right? Regardless of as you know the various specifications, all this. And the SKS, yes, it was built for a battlefield, but a battlefield of 75, 80 years ago. I mean, how far back do you go? I mean, the Enfield was the most popular rifle for the Allies in the First World War. I, I mean, but that's, that's a century ago. So, I mean, how far back do you go on this? It, it has evolved in its purpose to be a hunting rifle as opposed to a, a battlefield weapon. It's not used by the military anymore. So are, are you being overly broad and going after... A rifle such as this, which is used overwhelmingly for hunting in this country. Look, it cannot be disputed that the original purpose for this gun was to be used during a wartime, not to be used in a community. But in 1945. Uh, and, and, but, but still, that was the original purpose, and we can agree to that. That is a fact. Okay, so this conversation is um, around the SKS, okay? And of course, it's edited. So I showed you a little flash in the middle to show that it was edited. So this wasn't the entire conversation all, all at once. I think that whole conversation was somewhere around 11 or 12 minutes. But basically, it's Marco Mendicino 
telling the host that the, the justification that he needs to ban the SKS is the fact that it has a military lineage, that it was designed for a military purpose. And that the, the host is doing what he was supposed to do, which was to push back to say, well, and come up with, a, with an example, which he did, which was the Lee Enfield rifle. So the Lee Enfield rifle is a rifle of military lineage that's probably used by probably a million, owned or, and or used by a million people for hunting um, in Canada, okay? Probably a million, lots of indigenous hunters use Lee Enfields because they're affordable, they're reliable, and it's a bolt action rifle that you can pick up pretty much anywhere. So the host presses them, well, what about the Lee Enfield? And Marco Mendocino doesn't say anything to the contrary. He doesn't defend the Lee Enfield. He doesn't say, well, that's a, that's a, that's a bolt action rifle that probably a million people own in Canada. And it's, it's bolt action. It's completely appropriate for hunting, even though it has a military heritage. So that one's not going to be unless he doesn't do that. He just says, just continues to talk about the SKS. Well, was it or wasn't it not a military rifle? We can agree on that. That's a fact. So I find that really interesting because are they going to ban the Lee Enfield? Are they going to call that a variant of every other bolt action that they stuck in Amendment G46? Again, by the way, uh, if you want to see that amendment, you can go to uh, firearmrights.ca or ccfr.ca, go to the website, and we have the whole list there in case you missed that, right? Just scroll down on the main page and you'll see here's the list of, of banned firearms. But isn't that interesting how he didn't defend it and how he basically dug his heels and said, you know what, if it comes from a military lineage, that's all the justification we need to ban it. And then, you know, and, and I'll go just a step further if you, uh, if you want to just hang out with me for one more minute. It's interesting because then they go through all of this trouble by saying, well, there'll be, there's all these other firearms on the market that you can replace these military firearms with. And it's like, well, there are other bolt actions. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can't have a Lee Enfield or I can't have, well, a Mauser, right? The 1908 Brazilian Mauser plus in, in that um, amendment, it also says Mauser Sporter. Right, all the sporterized Mausers, guns that are made from Mauser actions like the Parker Hale rifles, like a whole bunch of them. You can't own those, but you can what have a Remington 700. That's okay. That's that's representing. Like I think sometimes we we kind of forget how ridiculous and absurd, how you know, clown bizarro world this whole conversation is. You can't have these bolt action rifles, but you can have some other ones of a different name that are functionally equivalent. Just play our game because you might be able to buy these for now. You know, you never know. These these could come, you know, we're, we're one shooting with a bolt action away from losing bolt actions, right? So anyway, I just, I just thought it was quite interesting how this would have been a really great opportunity for him to say, oh, Lee Enfield? No, we don't want to, we don't want to piss off all the Lee Enfield owners out there around a million of them probably, you know, no, they, they could care less. Anyway, I thought, I just thought it was interesting. So um, I just want to show you that clip. Uh, we talked about Bill C-21, that project as well. And uh, so right now I'm going to play the interview with Mike Holland. So check this out. All right, we're back. So via, not Skype this time, but via Zoom, we've got Mike Holland, uh, who is the Minister of Natural Resources and Energy Development in the province of New Brunswick. He's also the co-founder of the Canadian Wild Turkey Federation, the, the bird, not the whiskey, uh, among other projects. So welcome, Mike. 
Welcome. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate the invitation to being here and the work that you guys do at CCFR. Well, thanks for being on. Okay, so we don't have a lot of time in this format, as uh, as most of our viewers know. So let's get right into it. So the province of New Brunswick um, basically uh, is participating in this in this pushback that we've seen from other, from other provinces and uh, one territory as well. A pushback towards the feds on the gun ban via um, not allocating resources and whatnot. Uh, the provincial resources to the buyback. So I guess kind of that's the that's the protest vote uh, against the gun ban by not providing those resources. So maybe give us a little bit of detail on how it went down in um, in New Brunswick, if you don't mind. Well, prior to C-21 and the statement about using provincial resources, uh, Bill, Bill C-71 had significant flaws in it. Um, as a government, we had recognized those. I'd spoke out about that a couple of years ago. And now with the bans that are taking place through C21, uh, that would be downloaded on the province to allocate resources, which are already stretched very thin within our Department of Public Safety. So upon reviewing the fact that we are stretched thin with these resources already, and this is going to require us to uh, basically do the bidding of the federal government on legislation that we feel misses the mark because C-71 or C-21 does very little to accomplish the goal of, of, of eliminating gun crime or gun violence. Uh, so as we talked and came together as a government, our Department of Public Safety came forward and said that we too, in addition to other jurisdictions, won't dedicate resources to um uh, applying the work of the of the gun ban. Well, certainly there's a lot of gun owners that uh, that appreciate that because um, I'm not sure that you'd find uh, many gun owners that uh, agree with all this, although you know some people have different opinions. Um, I think a question that I'd like to ask is you're you're operating within a government, uh, you know, a political body basically that is uh, that is um, um, has made up the government of a province. How do you get consensus? with other actual provincial politicians, I guess. How do you get consensus to um, create a, a, a statement like this and, and push back against the feds? Well, like I said, when C-71 came out, I became a vocal member of our cabinet and our government. And although I'm not the Minister of Public Safety, I knew the ramifications it would have to the legal responsible firearms community. So I stepped in and started speaking about it. At that point, I was able to really be the spokesperson. Um, I was in the media a couple of years ago with it. So that conversation started back then and every iteration of 71, 21 or whatever they will see come next. Um, I was able to bring that information together. We have a, a rather cohesive cabinet. Um, the subject matter expertise that I have in that field was respected. The conversation continued past me and there were many amenable ministers to have a look and, and basically look at the legislation, you know, never mind firearms being the subject of it. But if legislation doesn't accomplish the goal, it's not good legislation. So through that series of conversations, the education I brought to the table and the review of the legislation itself, you know, we felt like uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we certainly uh, could do better. And and what we have presented in front of us is is not, um, not going to accomplish the goal. And therefore, do we want to take resources that we already are pressed on and, and apply to it. So uh, at that point, we all got up from the table and said, yeah, we feel like we're in one accord as we move in this direction. Yeah, well, an interesting thing that actually happened that's that's turning out to be a benefit is the Liberals, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of a lot of people, have overstepped. They went too far because they try to divide us as a as a community. First, it's the sports shooters and the collectors. They're the first to 
to uh, to get their turn to have their things taken. And then eventually the hunters will get their turn. But usually um, I think governments are a little bit more careful than liberals have been. And they, they bid a little bit too much off too quick. And now there's a, there's a pile of hunting rifles and shotguns being, uh, being yeah. banned. Um, you know, what do you, what do you say to the average hunter out there who, who says, well, it's, it's not going to be a problem for me because I only have a bolt action rifle, I guess is the question. Well, we said that, uh, when C-71 came out and the discussion was only around assault style weapons, AR-15s or whatever. And I had conversations with a lot of people that said, well, it doesn't really affect me. And I said, well, that's the front end of a very dangerous practice that that we could see leak into a variety of different areas. Sure enough, we have. I mean, the handgun ban, for example, essentially shut down that entire industry of legal responsible uh, shooters in, in, in Canada. And quite frankly, had zero effect on the, the stated goal of, 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 of limiting and, and gun, gun crime and gun violence. And so where does it end? Now we see the the uh, the hunting uh, firearms, shotguns, some semi-automatics. I mean, I, I have weapons that I'm unsure about the future of because they're on that list. And you know what? They're generational. It's, it's not something I just went out and bought. It was something that's been in my family. So it needs to be of significant concern to us. And as evidenced by other parties uh, in the NDP and in the Liberals themselves saying, whoa, hold on. Maybe, maybe this needs to be recalculated and we need to correct the drift here. I'm hopeful that that overstep was exactly what was needed to show that this is a progressive process that that won't end until um, firearms that are used in a commonplace everyday situation by First Nations farmers and hunters are at risk. And that's just really not something that, that, that I can stand in approval of. Yeah, well, hopefully everyone's got the message now and everyone's awake. But uh, we're out of time, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I guess good luck to us all. Good luck to us all and continue the hard work. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Mike. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR on the line. Wilson! Bam, there it is. Bam. Um, Bam. All right, funny thing is over the holidays, we thought we would be scrounging for things to talk about on the podcast um, and on the TV show too because, you know, the parliament isn't sitting and things kind of wind down, uh, you know, for a while over the uh, over the holidays, but nope. You know, these, uh, so. these people are always conniving behind the scenes. Maybe it's what they like to do over the holidays is figure out how to take things that don't belong to them and, uh, and get in uh, even more into the lives of people that don't want them in their lives. But uh, nonetheless, um, Blacklock's reporter doing the usual good work that they do reported, as it were, that uh, they had filed an ATIP and, uh, for a bunch of different things, and they ended up getting information back. But inside that information was uh, some information about the um, the Liberal government's assault-style firearm buyback. What's, uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, <clears throat> so this was a great ATIP they filed with Public Services and Procurement Canada where they were looking for, you know, data on stuff the government is looking to spend money on and sign contracts about. And, of course, buried within that ATIP on page 22 was a couple of pages about the buyback. And, of course, it outlines their failure to be able to engage anybody from the uh, the gun industry or from the private sector in um, trying to facilitate this program. They've identified seven elements that they need to carry it out, such as a couple examples, storage, collection and transport of firearms, and of course, destruction. Um, they detailed that the RCMP will begin collection of the ASFs They've even coined a term here in this document, so assault-style firearms. They're calling them ASFs. 
and that uh, Prince Edward Island will be the easy target for phase one of the program, which, of course, they're going to use trial and error to figure out how to do this across the country on a national level for phase two. Now, it does say here that this was to begin in December of 2022, bringing Christmas cheer to gun owners everywhere. However, they are late on that program. But, um, yeah, it, it seems like they're still flailing around, but they've sort of decided at this point, since nobody's going to touch it, that, you know, maybe the RCMP will be forced to do it at a national level. And they still have no clue what to do with with this. It would take years to even um, to even implement something of this standing. So, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what happens. But um, they're in an office somewhere in Parliament Hill. There are people working right now trying to figure out how to take your stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, what's um, there. Obviously, the government is desperate. You know, yes. they never they didn't. You know, when you got somebody as incompetent and uh, and as horrible as Bill Blair in charge, because that's who was in charge back when they did this uh, on the file. You know, he he wouldn't have given this a, th- a second thought. He would have said, "Well, we're just we're just going to order the RCMP to do this, and we'll worry yeah. about the details later." Well, the RC- people forget that these these tasks are carried out by human beings. A lot of these people are gun owners. A lot of these people mm-hmm. didn't get into policing because they wanted to, you know, boot doors down and 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 confiscate property that the government just decides someday is is too dangerous to own. And, you know, if they force the RCMP, because I think in, at some level they can force some members of the RCMP. Um, and anyway, <laughs> if they if they say, well, you know what, we're going to give you a bunch of money. We're going to get some you know special, we're going to appoint some special constables, whatever. You, you need to get this done, period. It's not, it's not a discussion. Can you imagine, like the RCMP are very demoralized as it, as, as it is. They, they don't have enough people yeah. to do policing. They, you know, they're... A lot of corruption, obviously. They're almost in collapse at some level, right? If you think of all the stuff that uh, Brenda Lucky was involved in. Can mm-hmm. you imagine how many, like, well, oh, my back's out. I, I got to go on disability. Um, oh, you know, it's time <laughs> that I actually transition out of policing because this is not what I signed up for. Um, just on and on. You could have you could have uh, RCMP members be like, you know what? I'm doing everything I can to disrupt this program. But Yeah, oh, I would expect that. Yep. But I'll say this, and this is going to be a little bit edgy is there will be 30, 40, maybe up to 50% of those guys that'll be like, I can't wait to start this program. I can't wait for it. Because I've met some of those people, right? I used to work with police a lot. Yeah, most, mm-hmm. mostly people that are like, okay, well, we have to stay reasonable because we get consent from the public. And then you have some people that's like, hey, I can legally do whatever I want. So yeah. that's going to create a lot, of, a lot of tension within the RCMP. And, and I, I would... Like policing, police forces, like even any kind of any kind of force, you know, a capacity for force has to be <coughs> has to be dealt with very judiciously and very carefully, especially because you want human beings to carry these things out. And I don't know, I, that's not something I would ever want to be involved with if I was in government. Is trying to figure out how to make that happen and deal with the yeah. internal tension. You know, forget forget the public, right? Forget the public and how they're going to feel about it. Just even just within the RCMP, but anyway, I don't know. Well, and they're short-staffed as it is, just like every other, um, <clears throat> every other industry, including you know the army. They're all short-staffed. They don't have spare officers to run around kicking in doors together at AR-15s from licensed owners. So, I don't know. This the minister has created quite the mess for himself, and um, you know, I I'm I'm in no hurry to see this 
um, to see this uh, be implemented to begin with. But I think he's still a very, very long way off. I could see this being a, a yet another election promise down the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild and and uh, not to beat it to death, but I'll tell you, tackling crime is a last resort to these people. They think taking guns away from licensed gun owners using these mechanisms that we just talked about is the easier path. Yeah. Right. And then of course mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, no, no idiot would ever think that. And and of course the next question comes up: Why are they in such a hurry to take guns away from people that are vetted every day? And they're in no hurry to stop people that have firearm prohibitions from running around on bail after 24 hours shooting people. Right. So uh, there's questions. What's what's the hurry with me and you? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. We're not going to get into it. But you know, I think when there's you have obvious questions, they're worth a little bit of thought. Um, That's all right, right. Let's move on. So Tyler Shandro. Uh, the yeah, Minister we'll of Justice. It's justice, yeah, right? Yeah, they aren't starting in Alberta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be the least trouble and is geographically small? And I don't know what kind of didn't wasn't there some language in there or did you cover it? We, oh, yeah, that, that's in. Um, they put that in Minister Shandro's statement. So we're going to cover that. All right, let's do it. So Tyler Shandro, once again, um, Minister of Justice and Attorney General for Alberta, comes out swinging against Mendicino again. I don't know. I just, I can praise this guy enough. God bless Alberta. But yeah, so he's got a statement out. It's it's fairly short. I'll read it to you here. <clears throat> he says, last week, Minister Mendicino admitted that the federal government has still not figured out how to implement their firearms confiscation program. This admission comes shortly after the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police called on the federal government to not use po uh, police services to confiscate guns. Now media reports have drawn attention to a federal government memo that outlines Minister Mendicino's plans to confiscate firearms across Canada. The memo admits that the efforts to find private sector companies to implement the program failed this summer. With no private sector companies willing to participa participate, the memo outlines how the RCMP will first be deployed to target Prince Edward Island, which is deemed to be an easy, low-risk target. The federal government is treating PEI as a pilot that will help them learn on the job as they implement their confiscation plan through trial and error. This program is expected to cost a billion dollars or more and has supposedly been in the works for three years. Uh, then a direct statement from the minister. Despite a mountain of money and years' worth of lead time, Ottawa appears to be lost, especially given their latest attack on hunting rifles and shotguns at minimum. They should have proactively they should proactively extend the amnesty that is currently scheduled to end in October of 2023. Such a decision, however, would involve showing Canadian firearm owners a measure of decency, something that Minister Mendicino and this federal government is seemingly incapable of. Wow. There it is. Shots fired. Oh boy, right across the bow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. A, a low risk, low risk uh, jurisdiction. Easy low risk target. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, I think that was that was in the ATIP, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They've identified it yeah. as a low risk. Low target. risk. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> We better move I, on. I say they start with Alberta. Like, give it yeah, a try. Ex exactly. Marco. Yeah. Um, anyways, 
All right, let's move on. That's uh, well. Thank you to everyone uh, in the Alberta government for standing up for people, like individual people, right? Yeah. Not 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 uh, your political platform or your ideology, or whatever. Just for people that just want to be left alone, you know. And and as I, you know, as I think of um, constantly, it's like, what part of get out of my life don't you understand? But these these guys, they just don't want to ever do that. They're just like, nope, no, nope. Here's what we're gonna do. Anyway, um, all right. Next thing. For a little bit of fun, so in the last podcast we uh, we did this video. We put this video up of uh, Goody Hutchins. Hutchins. Goody Hutchins. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, if that wasn't embarrassing enough, I went and I got I went to CPAC and I got the actual all of the actual footage and I watched this whole thing. And um, I don't never heard of her before this, right? But wow, like perfect politician yeah. has doesn't have a clue about anything, but is extremely confident in, in her knowledge. So the first first clip is super funny. Uh, she decides she's had enough of these reporters' questions, and now she's going to rely on you know her expertise and show everyone how 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 much more experienced uh, and how what an expert she is compared to them. Anyway, check this out. Any of you here firearms owners? Do any of you here have an FAC, a firearm acquisition certificate? So here's a fact you need to know. Oh yeah, well, there you go. Is she in? Has she been in a time capsule for decades? Yeah. Like I just need to know that. Twenty-eight years since they rolled out the FA, uh, the uh, PAL system, and not yeah. only does she say FAC, because a lot of people make that mistake, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the like I never had an FAC, so I don't make that mistake often. But a lot of the older guys, right? They call it an FAC because they had them. But it's been twenty-eight years. Yeah, it's like thirty <laughs> years ago, man. Thirty years. You're a government official, apparently the expert. She puffs up, puffs her chest up and goes, does anyone here have a firearms license, a license, an FAC? And then as has to explain what that acronym is, like she knows anything. It's just amazing to me. Just what? I, yeah. Yeah, it's a con. Like these people are literally grifters conning you. It's a confidence game. And, it's, and she's looking at everybody like if I'm not going to play it again, but like she's looking at all these reporters like you haven't got a clue. Let me teach you something. Come hither. Yeah. Let me show you. Oh, and you know what? Here's the thing. She actually should know better because she's a longtime MP. She used to own and either own or manage an outfitting business. Um, she was vice chair of the Parliamentary Outdoor Caucus, which is an all-party caucus that looks at outdoor issues like hunting, trapping, fishing. Like she should, she should actually know this stuff. And that's probably why they trotted her out to speak about it. She's a woman and she's supposed to know her stuff. And then they trot her out and she makes a complete fool of herself and them. Like, I'm embarrassed for her. Well, look at all the gaffes all in one single appearance. Yeah. Like it was gaff central. And in fact, if you know what, I, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this video over while we're, while we're talking. But as okay. she utters FAC and starts talking about the acronym, look at Marco Mendicino's face. Like, look at his face. His 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 eyes flutter a little. Oh, He's God. like, "Oh man," and Ugh. and how many times did he do that throughout her whole appearance? And then at the end, if you remember in the last podcast, I'm like, I made that little meme out of it. <laughs> She's like, "I nailed it." Come on, Marco. Now that you know, now that you uh, know how it's done, let's uh, let's you know, let's go for dinner oh, yeah. on the taxpayer. And his face reminds me of uh, you know in the cartoons when we were a kid, and you'd have the the big hook that came out and pulled somebody off the stage. You know, yeah. like. That's exactly what it reminded me of. He's yeah. just like, oh, no. Yeah. He's like, I make Stop. enough. Yeah, I blow myself up enough. You know, I don't need you to do it. But anyway, oh, yeah. these are 
<laughs> the Liberal Party of Canada, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so one more, <laughs> exactly, one more clip. Um, so this is not only does Goody Hutchins know all about the licensing system and has to teach it to everyone else, right? Talk about, you know what? Talk about spreading misinformation, right? Uh, hey, there's some yeah. misinformation right there. Anyway, more misinformation coming up because she's now also an expert in firearms manufacturing and the firearms manufacturing industry. Check this out. We've reached out. I've had discussions, and so has Minister Mancino. There are many gun manufacturers out there, and we all know in the world of economies, uh, if there's a need, there will. I'm sure you'll see some gun manufacturers step up with another firearm that is available at a at a cheaper price. So those all those discussions are ongoing, and if there's a need, I'm sure you will see some gun manufacturers step up. Minister, okay. So really short clip, and that's just after that is when she said the whole 22 gauge. I shoot bears and moose with 22 gauge rifle uh, or whatever it was. And you know what? I, I, I'm okay when people misspeak because I do it all the time, right? Like, oh, I got, I got mixed up or whatever because everybody's human. But just so ridiculous. Like she's, she's an expert and she's like, okay, well, don't worry. If there's, I, I know the industry, the firearms manufacturing industry. And if there's a need, they'll make a compliant, a Canadian compliant firearm for us. Don't worry. They'll step, the manufacturers will step up. And it's like, wait a minute. There's like two firearm manufacturers, small businesses in Canada, like two of them, I think. And that's it. And and I think they tried all that stuff, right? So when they did the first ban in May of 2020, that's what they said. Well, you can't have these AR-15s and you can't have these other guns. So, you know, we're going to do some sort of confiscation program and you'll have to get something else. This literally happened to you. Then you go out and get something else. And in the meantime, they ban that too. And then here we are with the late stage amendment to C-21, which pretty much bans everything else. So... They talk there. There are companies that did go out and say, OK, we're going to have to change some, you know, modify the way we were doing these firearms. We've got to comply with the with the new law and the new the new regulation. And they call it circumventing. In fact, the anti-gun lobbies have been doing that, too, saying that these are, you know, it's loopholes and these gun manufacturers are circumventing the law. No, they're complying with it. Like to say that is even ridiculous. So. It's talk about moving the goalposts. Like, it, I don't know. I, I don't know what they want from us. Oh, yeah. They, they, they want everything and they want to gaslight everyone else into going along with it. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's so funny because if you, as a firearm owner, if you're an avid firearm owner, right, like, like I was for many years, well, I still am, right? But I just haven't had time to shoot guns. But back in the old Civil Advantage YouTube channel days, right, like I would buy a lot of stuff. And I mean, there was almost no Canadian um, manufacturers, like yeah. like two or three, making magazines for AR-15s. And they're not even like your regular Magpul style, right? They were kind of niche little things, small runs, right. one-offs basically, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, 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 the firearm manufacturing industry doesn't want anything to do with Canada. Our market is too small as it was, as it was before the big gun ban. Before all these bans, yeah, now before they, us for to sure even won't. get stuff. Now yeah. they're like, why would we ever make a single thing for Canada? They're lunatics over there. They're just going to change the rules. Why would I invest money? You know, I I I think about uh, Crusader Arms. Yeah. You know, like they just came out with a, a line of new rifles, all compliant with what these lunatics wanted, and just no no sooner like one year after they finally get that stuff in the development cycle for. A firearm, like a semi-auto like that, is extremely, mm -hmm. it's 
extremely expensive and takes a tremendous amount of of effort and money and commitment and risk. And then they you get you get to sell their stuff for what a year, and then pff, we're gonna ban that anyway because you're circumventing the like. Oh, and I'm sure you'll step up and make something else. Like there won't be a single new firearm coming into Canada other than maybe a lever action. Right? That's lever probably the way they popular. want it. Well, yeah, yeah I don't, of course. I don't think it's a side effect. I think it's an intended consequence. So riddle me this, and I know we're going on and on about it, but it's just, it's so, it's, it just represents the liberals so well. And it's like, it's like, you know what you could have done? You could have said, we know it's been a rough ride. We've had to ban these guns for, for good reasons. Here's all our evidence. And you know what? I'm sorry, manufacturers. It's just something that needs to be done. And, you know, it's just, it, it is the way it is. Hopefully some companies have some products out there that we can still bring into Canada. Like, just be honest. But instead she's like, yeah. oh, don't worry. They're going to, not only are they going to step up and build new stuff for you, but it'll be cheaper because there'll be demand. It's like, it's like she's talking to five-year-olds, she's, right? Yeah. Like, oh, they don't know anything. I'll just spew some BS and they'll just, they'll just buy it. It's just incredible. Really. Let's, uh, let's talk about something really great, which is our field officer of the month. Yeah, this, this is really great. And she's really great. So I'm happy to announce that field officer of the month for this month is Sophie Bailon from Quebec. So Sophie is great. Quebec's always been sort of an area that's difficult to break into. I know you and I don't speak French. So that's a little bit of a barrier. And so we've always relied really heavily on our volunteers to carry the torch out there. And Sophie's come into the CCFR. She's got all kinds of energy. She's just networking and making connections with other advocates in Quebec and going around to businesses and clubs. I drove uh, from a wedding just this fall out to Montreal to go to an event that she was at. And she's just all over the place and doing an awesome job. And she's, I wish I could, you know, I I think I have a lot of energy. I wish I could bottle hers because she's just, just bubbly, awesome, and just totally, totally into it. So um, I'm really proud to work with Sophie in Quebec, and I'm happy to see where the future goes there. She will receive a $100 uh, gift certificate to the CCFR store so she can choose some cool new CCFR gear. And, of course, she'll be recognized here on the podcast and on our TV show uh, that airs on Wild TV. So, yeah, very exciting. I I love you, Sophie, and thank you for everything you do. That's awesome. Thank you, Sophie, for your work. Really appreciate yes. it. Um, okay. So last thing, um, I just want to make mention, I did an interview with Mike Smith on CKNW in Vancouver. That's, and CKNW is the talk radio station in Vancouver. It's, um, you know, airs downtown and not exactly a redneck area. And (laughs) Mike is, is very fair. It's funny because we, we always want fair treatment. We don't want, we don't need the treatment that anti-gunners get on mainstream media. We just want it to be fair where yeah. you know, you're know you t- talking about both sides and you're actually holding people to account if they lie. That's what journalists are supposed to do. And they l- almost never do it. But Mike no. Smith has me on and he's just fair. He's fast, super fast, but he's fair. And you know, I remember one day, this was uh, whatever, two years ago, he, he said, you know, would you mind hanging out and taking calls? I'm like, of course I'll take calls. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I want the anti-gunners. I want someone to be throwing points at me. It was like, you know what? That's a good point. Let me think about that. Like I'm I'm looking for that real pushback, right? Yeah. Because absolutely I can't be right about everything for sure. So and I want to know if I'm wrong, because then I'll I'll change my opinion. It's gotta be it's gotta be true. So anyway, I've been taking calls with him. He's actually got to the point where because the anti the anti-gunners will not take calls. 
Oh like, no, of they course They will not, not appear with anyone. They will not debate anyone. They will not take calls. And you got to know that that's for a reason. It's not for no of reason. Course. So anyway, and whereas I'm like, oh, bring him, bring anybody, anyone in the country that's you know that's confident, and I'll I'll we'll have a we'll have a discussion. So anyway, he doesn't even ask me anymore. He just starts. He just goes to callers, and it's yeah. funny. There was two people I've never ever had an anti-gunner call ever. As no. of all the time I've been on a show, it's always like gun owners and they're agreeing and they're angry and all the rest of that stuff. And police too. They're like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know why we're messing around with gun bans. And, and finally there was two people and they were like mildly, like, I don't know why anyone needs an AR-15 basically, but we shouldn't be taking people's guns when the criminals, we know exactly where they are. It's just, right. I just meant, just want to mention it's that, that interview, if you want to listen to it is on the YouTube channel. Um, and, uh, again, Mike Smith with CKNW, a real journalist, actually Smith S M Y T H. And uh, I just thought I'd mention it. Um, uh, anyway, where are the anti-gunners, the real ones? Well, and that's the thing I got to say, uh, I won't go on too long either, but I've noticed even on social media, you know, where I, I, Twitter is a total leftist toilet, right? Everybody's on there and they're just scrapping with me and going at me and that's okay. That's, that's what it's for. Right. Um, but I've noticed even people who have for years trolled me or, you know, argued with me about guns back and forth. And even they're like, you know what? This whole thing is stupid. These gun bans are stupid. The fact that we're not focused on reducing actual crime violence or gun smuggling, like they are totally losing their energy on this. Absolutely. So where are the real anti-gunners? Not the lobbyists, but the real anti-gunners. Yeah, there's, there's very few of them. Yeah, there, there really so. are, and it's and it's funny. You go to the 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 docs uh, against um, firearm ownership. Uh, you go to their Twitter feed, and they turn off replies on everything. Oh yeah, of course they've already blocked everybody, and now they just turn off replies because they just want to say what they want to say to each other, so they can pat each other on the back, yeah. and you know, not have to think critically or have any sort of debate or challenge. Where are all, you know? where are all their people? And I mean, yeah. you look at their national days of action. Like nobody shows up. Like twelve views. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody's listening. To it's them, just it's except the government. Except the government, right? Because they have their yeah. own agenda, and they're like, "Hmm, here's that." And yeah, I'm going to say it. Here's the useful idiots. They want to hundred percent. Yeah, they want to be on TV. You know, they just you know they got to feed the ego. Just get them on TV. You know, get the prime minister down there, telling them how much they pre oh yeah, and they'll do anything. They'll stand on their oh, head. Of course they will. They'll say they'll do anything. a backflip if you ask them. You know, but, you know, any critical conversation, nope, they won't take part in it. It's just ridiculous. Nope. All right. Anyway, kind of interesting. Okay. We've uh, we've been on it, a uh, bit at it, about 25 minutes here, something like that. Um, so thanks for the update. And uh, as I said, and I'll say it one more time in the outro, and I said it in the intro, January 26th, that's when our big plan um, comes out. Uh, I know Wilson's been working very hard and not so quietly yes. behind the scenes. And <laughs> there's nothing quiet about the way I work. There's, no, there's very little behind the scenes here. Um, but, uh, but the big project's coming out, and uh, I look forward to us having this conversation again in the next podcast when we release our big Scrap C21 project. Thanks for the update. Awesome. We'll see you then. All right, that's going to do it for episode 134 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Don't forget to share this with your friends. Tell them to watch it. Really good information. This was kind of a, we, we saw some funny stuff in this episode, which is always great. Um, and you know what? You can also ask your gun club to share this episode on their email blast or on their social media um, uh, accounts. 
and especially the next episode when we unveil our Scrap Bill C-21 uh, project. So that's really important, and it's important that that we get uh, everyone we possibly can in the firearms community to participate in these initiatives because there's strength in numbers. When the government just gets buried in mail, when the government gets a thousand phone calls, when the government gets countless emails, when the government sees all of these things happening and all the people participating and people angry at what they're doing, that's what changes their mind. That's what pushes back against them, especially when they're in locked into this you know, plan to dominate everybody, take their things and, and whatever, right? Just impress their uh, their will upon everybody. This is when it's that that is the pushback that we need. So anyway, spread this information around again. Thanks so much for all your support. I really, really appreciate it. Take care and we will see you in two weeks. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.